Hello, our dear jurors. Ebony K here wishing you a very happy new year. Now, Dustin and I are going to take a little break for the holidays, get a little beauty, rest, and relaxation. But don't you worry. We will be back with brand new episodes in January. Now, in the meantime, here's a mashup of some of our favorite moments from the season so far, including some not previously aired good shit. Now, enjoy the holiday, be safe, and look for brand new episodes of Holding Court with Ebony K. Williams coming January 13th. Hey, y'all, I'm Ebony K. Williams. Now, I'm your host, also attorney at law. Welcome to Holding Court with Ebony K. Williams, where we're going to analyze the very latest legal headlines, stuff everybody's already talking about, but we're going to dig in deeper. We're going to dig into how the courts impact the culture. Now, we're going to break it all down for you, go straight from gavel to your news feed. And every week, Dustin, we're going to do it 100. We're going to keep it 1,000% honest with folks, because that's what we do, right? That's what we do, Ebony. <laughs> that's right. It's your boy, Dustin, you guys. Uh, let's hold court. Let's hold court. <laughs> yes. Here we go. So here's the thing. Going back to 92, Dustin. Mm-hmm. We see in 2020 the world, not even just America, right? The world has had like this reaction. Yes. Uh, a racial reckoning, yes. some people are calling it. Why? The catalyst? Well, we saw a brother named George Floyd mm-hmm. be brutally killed. The life suffered out of him literally in front of our eyes in front of our eyes on camera we saw a law enforcement officer by the name of Derek Chauvin Mm -hmm. with three other officers just Mm -hmm. watching Mm -hmm. as this man put his knee on this man's neck Dustin for 8 minutes and 46 seconds unbelievable and and the world was horrified and America was horrified and I'm gonna tell you this white America Mm -hmm. in particular Mm -hmm. seemed very horrified Mm -hmm. And it just made me, Dustin, go back into my mind and think about the first time yep. that we all saw the viral before it was viral of yep. a black man being hurt, brutalized, and and really left for dead, truth be told, mm-hmm. by law enforcement. And that was in 92 with Rodney King. That's right. The first time. Do you remember, like, with the, like just the... the A, do you remember the video? Because I know we were young. Mm-hmm. But I got to ask you as a black man... As a black kid at mm-hmm. that point, Dustin, do you remember the video itself? And do you remember, like, the climate? Like, how Absolutely. shit was going down? Vividly, I remember mm-hmm. it. And it felt a lot like, again, the parallel that you just mentioned. It felt a lot like it feels today, except I'm grown this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but back then, I remember just a reaction across our nation and on the news. I would watch the Today Show in the Morning in America with my mom every morning. Mm-hmm. That was kind of our thing. And I remember the way that the country was reacting to this this situation. I remember learning what police brutality was mm. through that experience. I remember the way my father and my brother and my uncles and my, my male cousins who were older than me, I remember the way that they reacted and the sense of familiarity that existed with that sort of, of violence yeah. and the way it resonated amongst them, amongst these members of my community. And I was a little kid watching all that. Mm. So I remember feeling as if something was really really wrong you know in a in a way that was different than anything i had ever felt before yeah because i think yeah. we've never seen it like never. you said we'd we knew always about heard it. right we knew about it people were having what we call now the talk it's yeah. so crazy by the way right remember when the talk used to be about sex yeah now the talk is about talking to your brown and black children about how to deal with law enforcement. So That's yeah, so true, Ebony. In, intracommunally, Dustin, we've been knowing about police brutality, but I feel like Rodney King mm-hmm. was the first time 
the country and the world saw it. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy that here we are, what, damn near 30 years later, mm-hmm. and it's like it's seeing it for the first time. All over again. And so that's why I want to go here, Dustin, on this episode, because I my instincts tell me, my instincts as a human, my instincts as a black woman, my instincts as an attorney, mm-hmm. tell me there's lessons mm-hmm. in what happened in 92 and what didn't happen, because mm-hmm. we know ultimately those officers saw no prosecution at all nothing everybody was acquitted that shit was wild that led to pandemonium we'll get into it yeah but i want us to learn those lessons so that when we go into what's about to go down Mm -hmm. with george floyd Mm -hmm. and his killers we can be better prepared and maybe just maybe dustin ross there's something to be learned that puts us in better position i'm with that to deal with what's about to go down absolutely all right so we're going to get into all of that all right, so let's get into this mailbag. You know, everybody always wants some free legal advice. You know always how folks want, always be. got their hand out. Listen, everybody want to pick people's brains. Mm-hmm, cute. Yeah. Um, but no, but this mailbag is fun. Um, this will be my uh, opportunity to get into some of people's legal questions. And, you know, I can provide some answers. So happy to do it. Okay. So what we got this week, D? So this week we have a letter from, actually, let's have a little fun with this. Let's change people's names every week, right? So this week we're going to have this letter come from the daddy, okay? So the daddy says this. <laughs> Hello, Ebony. My <laughs> name is so the daddy. Okay, and I saw your interview on The Breakfast Club. I wanted to reach out because my son is 24 years old. He got in trouble for stealing, and the police want to talk to him. He has never been in trouble before. I want to know, should I get a lawyer for him in order to speak to the police officers? I don't know what to do, and I really need your advice. This is all new to us. We have never had a problem like this before, and we need guidance. Thank you. That's a real-ass question, Dustin, yeah. and uh, I'm going to go with your your creative spin here with t- talking to the daddy. I, I see what you did here now. That's like the, the father. Yes, Got the daddy. it. The okay. daddy know I'm with you. Yeah. I thought you was pulling like some, um, I'm like married to medicine. I thought you were pulling heavenly, some heavenly. heavenly. I was like, if you don't get this daddy shit, okay. Anyway, the daddy. I'm with you. So the father here, like, listen, it, it's very real. When, when you have never been in the criminal justice system mm-hmm. before, A, it's a scary thing. Mm-hmm. It's an intimidating thing. I want to say all that shit's by design. Mm. Okay? So the first thing you need to know is when law enforcement or any other government agency like that ask you to be questioned, your first move is to get a lawyer. Mm. Now, I know some people might be thinking, I don't have no lawyer money. And that's very real, too. A couple things I want to make clear on this point, Dustin. You don't have to talk to anyone without legal representation. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's your Fifth Amendment right. What's the first part of it? You have the right to do what? Remain silent. Can you say it one more time? Remain. Actually, no, (laughs) I'm about to remain silent. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Right, I'm going to show you better than I can tell you. I like it. But no, people got to remember that. I'm very fucking serious. Like you look at an example would be with the uh, Exonerated Five. Mm -hmm. Every last one of those young boys because that's exactly what they were they were children yes they were the only evidence that convicted them were their own words Mm -hmm. which they gave away voluntarily and they created a full false spin that led to those brothers getting locked up for years off their life so this is why it's so consequential does and that people understand that when you are invited to be questioned by the police a that's all it is it's Mm -hmm. just an invitation Mm -hmm. you don't have to do or say a damn thing Mm -hmm. and you definitely don't ever want to do it without your lawyer and if and when law enforcement gets 
and this stuff is going to sound scary, but just at this point, you got to go with me here. If they get enough probable cause, meaning they have enough evidence to arrest you, that kickstarts your constitutional right to have a lawyer appointed for you. Okay. So this goes to the the money part, yes. right? So it's like, oh, Ebony's saying get a lawyer. I ain't got no lawyer money. Don't worry about it. If the, if the cops do their job and it leads to your arrest, so now you're going to really be caught up in the justice system in the worst way, that's when you get a lawyer for free. OK. And and no shade on public defenders, because I used to be one. And I will tell you, Dustin, mm-hmm. it is really the court courtroom and that practice as a public defender that I really learned how to practice law, mm-hmm. you know, because because you really is no bullshit out there. You in the trenches and you're on the deep end of it. And you really, really learn how to advocate for your client in a powerful, powerful way. So so don't turn your nose up at public defenders. Oh, so quickly, because I hear that out there in the streets. But that's my advice to to daddy in this situation. Mm-hmm. If your son is being uh, requested to interview with law enforcement don't don't say a word the best way to talk to the police is do not talk to them yes make them do their damn job yes make them find whatever evidence they allege they have if it's enough to get to a probable cause and you get arrested they have to give you an attorney so you will be covered you're gonna be covered so that's what i got to tell daddy on that one that's pretty clear to me so uh, daddy hope you was listening daddy get you a lawyer and keep keep you and your son's mouth shut thank you Okay, welcome back to Holding Court, where we're going to take questions uh, from the culture and from our listeners and from our jurors and, and give y'all a little uh, legal tea, as we say. Okay. Um, and I just want to let y'all know, of course, y'all know what we do here on Holding Court. We keep it a buck. We keep it a hundred. A lot of this is informational. A lot of it's also fun, right? We mm-hmm. hope y'all are having fun. So uh, if you find yourself in similar situations in real life to some of the things we talk about here on Holding Court, uh, this this podcast... <laughs> Great as it is, and we think it's fucking great. Mm-hmm. It's not a substitute for an actual attorney, right? That's right. This is this is not a substitute for you getting actual legal advice in the jurisdiction in which you you reside. I greatly encourage that. A lot of the feedback that we get complimenting the show and what we do on the show is from other attorneys, which makes me and Dustin really happy and proud. So excited. Uh, but make sure y'all you avail yourself to actual legal counsel if mm-hmm. you find yourself in a legal predicament. Okay. Um, fantastic. So with that, we're going to go to this mailbag question. And I texted this to you because I wanted you to sit on it, Dustin. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I got this from our friends over at Hollywood Unlocked. It was a full screen question that they asked uh, about a week ago. And this is the question. Is it okay to date other people while you're still married, but separated from your partner? Mm. Now I'm going to approach the answer in two ways. The first is going to be from a legal perspective, and then I'm going to speak from personal experience. Okay. But before I get to that, uh, <laughs> before Auntie E speaks, Dustin, I just want to know your top level thoughts. What do you think when I say to you, Dustin, is it okay to date other people while you are married, but separated from your partner? Uh, just speaking morally, okay, mm-hmm. and my own personal moral code, if I were separated and actively seeking a divorce yes because i would be done with that situation and Mm -hmm. so i would be doing everything to legally sever myself from any ties to that person to my ex so Mm -hmm. i don't see shit wrong with it but i'm definitely interested to know from a legal perspective Mm -hmm. what's okay and what's what's not so that well, I ain't married, but if I got married so that I could protect, hopefully, I, just tell me, Ebony, where, how does it work? <laughs> ah, I love you, Dustin. This is so good. This is so fucking good. Okay, so let me start with the legality because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't even think 
that there's a legal component to this question. They okay. only see the moral part. And before I went to law school and took the bar exam, actually, mm-hmm. that, that would have been my thinking, too. So here's a quick story. Y'all know I went to law school in New Orleans. Shout out to Loyola College of Law. Mm-hmm. But I took the bar in North Carolina because after Hurricane Katrina, which happened during my second year of law school, life in New Orleans was just a lot. Different, yeah. Different, yeah. So I decided to go back to North Carolina. So I'm studying for the bar exam and I'm taking a Barbary course and we get to f- the family law section. Okay. Because so, on the bar, it's like nine segments or some shit. It was a long time ago I took that shit back in 2007. Um, but, <laughs> you know, you have to get tested and be competent in right. each section of law and family law is, a, is one of them. So I'm studying North Carolina family law and I find that there is this thing a legal entity, um, a legal, rather not entity, a legal concept okay. known as alienation of affections. Uh-oh. Alienation of, of affections. So I get to this part in the bar review, Dustin, and I'm like, I'm asking my, my North Carolina bred uh, colleagues, what the hell is this? They said, oh, child. I said, for, actually, I was like, is this real? And they were like, girl, absolutely it is. Let me tell you what it is. Alienation of affections is a common law tort, which is like a, a civil wrong. It's a, it's a civil lawsuit I'm talking about. Okay. Where you can sue, if you are the spouse, right? You're married. You can sue the person that your spouse is having relations with. Oh, shit. Okay. So and let me tell, yeah. And let me tell you the reasoning, okay? Because a lot of this comes from, you know, a place of, you know, wh- what's the rationale there? Right. It's to say that if you can prove that your marriage had some kind of love between the partners, that that love was inflicted upon, uh, impeded upon, affected by a third party Mm. and that that third party knew about or otherwise was malicious in contributing the loss of the love you had with your spouse. You can sue their asses. And let me tell you where this is applicable because it's not everywhere anymore. It used to be widespread. Of course, if, if this sounds antiquated, it maybe is. Okay. But, I pers- but I'm here for it. Yeah, um, get that <laughs> You know, this is the best thing I've heard all day. <laughs> Listen, you can sue. If you live in North Carolina, which is mm-hmm. where I told you I was practicing, Mississippi, Hawaii, New Mexico, South Dakota, or of course Utah. You know Utah's right, gonna be yeah. on that list. <laughs> um, you can fucking sue the 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 third party in your marriage, the person having a relationship or other um, familiarity with your spouse for alienation of of affection. And here's the kicker, Dustin Ross: sex not required. What? Yep. Let me tell you this part. No, this is wild, right? I couldn't believe it when I was studying for the bar and found what? this out. Yep, 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 yep. It is not necessary to show that the defendant set out to destroy the marriage, but only that he or she intentionally engaged in acts that would foreseeably impact the marriage. Let me talk about my personal anecdote as to why I do not personally date separated men. Okay. I don't give a damn how long you've been separated. I don't care where you and your wife live. She could live in a whole nother country. I've, I've, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't date separated people. To me, Dustin Ross, there are but two relationship status, married and single. I know that's right. 
And if you're not married, you're single. <laughs> and that's it. So <laughs> long ago, when little Ebony was a law student. Okay. Young, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Right. Naive. Mm -hmm. um, I fell in love with a classmate of mine. Mm-hmm. And he was going through a divorce. Now, this was very salacious. Okay. This um, this guy, who's a good guy, still I still to this day think he's a wonderful person. Just who child, mm -hmm. hot mess of a situation. He and his then wife came to law school together. They were a very cute couple. Okay. okay. And we everybody knew they were married. And in law school, we're in sections, and you spend all your time with your section. Your section probably has a hundred other law students in it. So this young man and his wife were in two separate sections. He was in my section, which is why we became friends. Okay. Dustin, baby. This couple had just gotten married right before law school, gone on a beautiful honeymoon. Cute, 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 cute. Okay. He bought her a car for their wedding gift, which was cute. And mm -hmm. they would ride to school every day and say a car together. All right. Cute. Cute. Mm-hmm. Child, this woman starts having an affair with a, uh, a, a another guy in her section. Get out of here. The whole law school knew about it. Why? Well, because they made no bones about hiding it. At some point, the woman was driving to school with the new man in the car the husband bought. I kid you not. I kid you not. It was terrible. We all felt so bad for our section mate. And really embraced him and started going out with him and hanging out with him. You know, because he was obviously, this is embarrassing. This is depressing. This is heartbreaking mm -hmm. that your new wife is, is sitting up here her flaunting yeah. her new relationship, her affair in front mm. of your face and the entire school's face. It was a mess. It was mm. like mm -hmm. child, raggedy. So me and, and the guy, we, we had a really close friendship okay. and we were, and he, you know, we would study together and we were both, you know, exceptional students. So that worked out well. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, you know, one thing leads to another and we fall in love. Okay. And, oh, I skipped a part. Said woman, like three months into the marriage and three months into her affair, moved out. So they're no longer living together. My classmate, he said he went home one day. It was a U-Haul in front of his house. Okay. Side piece. Fast forward. So now me and my classmate are in love. Mm -hmm. We're happy. You know, I felt really happy to be able to bring him some joy. And he mm -hmm. brought a lot of joy to my life. And honey, we dated for seven, eight months. Okay. I mean, we completed the, the year together. We both did great. We were, you know, excited about our second year of law school. We were yes. looking at apartments to rent together, literally, because mm -hmm. we were going to move in together. Like, I just knew I was going to marry this guy. And, you know, he, you know, we talked not a lot about marriage because we were young, but, you know, just like a life together. Yeah. You know, very much so. Yeah. Going there. Literally, we're, look, we're looking at leases together. Mm -hmm. We were all of this, all of this. And then one day, he stopped taking my calls. I kid you not. I couldn't reach him for literally two weeks. I was devastated. I was more heartbroken then than I've ever been to this day. To this day. And I've been divorced, you know, uh, I recently went through some things with mm -hmm. my partner, you know, mm -hmm. hear more about that on Real Housewives of New York. How about it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, to this day, Dustin, I'm not even, even sugarcoating or I'm just putting it out on the table. The most devastating heartbreak I've yeah. ever suffered in my 37 years yeah. was those two weeks when this man that I just knew I was going to spend my life with would not even pick up my call. Yeah. And when I finally saw him again. 
it was two weeks later. We were, we'd resumed school. I was devastated, but I had to go to class. And I saw this man hand in hand with his wedding band back on with his wife. Damn, Ebony. I'm so sorry. I will get where where is the motherfucker now, Ebony? No, Let me listen, know. listen, listen. It it all ended, um, it all ended in a dramatic fashion. Cause how the hell else could this crazy right, story end? Of course, end? yeah. Um, they actually did end up eventually getting divorced, but it was like three or four years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a mess. The point of the story, Auntie E is telling y'all this crazy, heartbreaking, embarrassing mm-hmm. on some level story, because I want y'all to know this. Despite his intentions, and I do actually believe his intentions were pure at the time. Yeah, yeah. I really do. I was in it, right? I'm not, I, w- I would tell you if I thought he was, oh, you know, he motherfucking play. No, right. I think at the time he was really in it. But when you are married, there is always the distinct possibility. In fact, now that I have been married, I can speak to this better, Dustin. When you are married, there is a presumption, really. Mm-hmm. of reconciliation until you are divorced. Because mm. even when you're separated and you think you're getting a divorce or you think you're ready to move on, the kind of basic tenets of marriage tell you that if there is any possible way to save this union, you should. Right. You should. You should try. Whether it's therapy, prayer, both, a retreat, Whatever is possible. You know, the law tells us this. Most people's religious beliefs tell us this. Right, right. So I don't even fault him. After now, mm-hmm. you know, I was mad as hell and all that shit. But but now that I've grown up, you get it. Yeah. I've been married myself. Mm-hmm. No, don't play with married people's marriage. Mm-hmm. And you might not think you are, right? Because this person has come to you as a single individual. They're saying I'm separated. They're saying I don't even live with my wife. They're saying she live in Singapore. Mm. He's married. He's married. He may not think of himself as married. He might not be carrying himself as married. He's fucking married. Until yep. his the divorce paper is filed. The yep. ink is dry. The judge has signed off. And the file clerk has stamped that shit. He's married. He's Mm -hmm. married. All right, Dustin. So, again, we're going to get into this 92 shit. Um, I kind of remember it. I was young. Give me just like a refresher on like really how this Let's shit went down. Let's go all the way back. Yeah. First of all, this was on March 3rd, 1991, when the incident took place when Rodney King was pulled over. Mm-hmm. Driving through Los Angeles with two of his friends in the car. Mm-hmm. They had been out drinking, um, watching a game, a uh, basketball game, I believe it was. Yep. And the police pulled him over for speeding, well, attempted to, and that led to a chase. Okay. Um, 30 years ago, this actually was caught on a video camcorder by a nearby resident. So that's mm-hmm. how we got the camcorder. That's how we got the footage of this. Right. How we pull out. iPhone. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. So someone actually had a camcorder at this time. Footage of the brutality against Rodney King literally went viral yeah. all over the country. 
it still exists on it was like today, the original obviously. viral video. Yeah, right? like the first one that I can remember in my Same. lifetime. Same. Um, and so uh, this actually, the four police officers who were involved in the Look at incident. That. Look at that. Four. four police officers. So here's the alignment. George Floyd. Four police officers. The alignment begins, right? Begins. So those four police officers were charged for use of excessive force, and their trial began one year later and concluded in April of 92 Mm -hmm. with the jury acquitted, uh, where, excuse me, the jury acquitted three of the four officers and reached no conclusion on the fourth. So essentially all four of them got exactly. They walked. They walked. We know that this led to complete pandemonium and, and, and a necessary civil unrest at the time. Um, and there began to be protests mm-hmm. in the Los Angeles area. I like how you said protest and not riots. Yeah, because that's what they were. This yep. wasn't an act of, of rioting in, this, in these neighborhoods just for the sake of or right. to, you know, some mass theft of, as a community. This was a reaction to us all seeing this violence take place against Rodney King and then the officers just walking. What do you do when you feel like the system has failed you in that way? Here's why I think it was so crazy. We saw the video. Mm -hmm. Everybody saw the video. It was pretty much undisputed that, that at some point Rodney King was on the ground, on the asphalt, on the side of the road, getting, getting his ass Beat, beat down. Yes. Billy clubs. Yes. Nightsticks. Yes. Everything. That, and it was four of them and one of him. So at some point, because, you know, the, the legal argument that law enforcement likes to make in these situations, mm-hmm. Dustin, is they were in they were in fear. Right. They were in peril. So that that is the only thing that would ever justify an officer's use of that kind of force. And so at some point that it was so long Mm -hmm. that they were beating Rodney King's ass. This brother was within an inch of his life. Mm -hmm. I mean, we remember, I remember very clearly. I will tell you what I I see in my mind right now, Dustin is how bruised and bloody. You can see that that image stays with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this man was almost beat to death. I mean, let's just say it plain. And so at some point there's no argument to be made that, that Rodney King's a threat to you. You can't make that argument mm-hmm. no more. So we saw this. So I think everybody, even white America, had to be thinking they are going to be convicted. It was it was it was undeniable once you saw the footage of them beating him so savagely. And I think that I think we have to pause here because when people look back at the the protest and the quote riots of of 92 in L.A., mm-hmm. I think people forget because it's been so many times since then, Dustin, that we've seen black men and women being brutalized on camera and videotaped and all this shit. And and, and sadly, now in 2020, we know the likely outcome. Mm -hmm. But this was the first time this happened. And so in 92, I really feel that people were shocked beyond belief. Yes. That a videotape can so clearly evidence the beating of this black man uh, defensively. He, he had no weapon. He was unarmed. Four white officers beat his ass within an inch of his life for the world to see. And we just knew they were going to get acquitted because they weren't even charged with um, attempted murder no, or anything high. Force. It was just an excessive force. Like if that ain't excessive force. Which that alone is an issue. The after, charging. Yes. Yeah. After you see the footage, exactly. the fact that the only thing they were charged with was excessive force. I think that should have been the first uh, hint, Indicator. yeah, you You're know, right. of what was going to come next. But yeah. that that it, it seeing those officers 
seeing those four officers be acquitted, it made you ask yourself some questions because it was undeniable that they committed a violent act against this man. Yeah. It was undeniable that they savagely beaten that they had savagely beaten this man, but they were acquitted. So it, it, it made. So you how ask does why. that happen? Okay, so let's talk about the why. Yeah. How does this happen? So. This part, I had to go research. Mm-hmm. It made sense. Mm-hmm. As soon as I saw that the jury was, uh, they, they relocated this mm-hmm. trial. Mm-hmm. Now, Rodney King was beat in L.A. County proper. Yes. What's, well, who's the demographic? That's a very diverse community, Dustin. Mm-hmm. It was in 92. It still is in mm-hmm. 2020. Mm-hmm. You got white people, black people, a lot of Latino, mm-hmm. ethnic communities. So that jury pool, if it had been in L.A. County like it should have been, would have probably very well represented the diversity of the community. And since they knew that, they relocated it to where, Ebony? Simi Valley. Mm. They moved this shit right to Simi Valley, which is what? Uh, almost exclusively white community. And you know what that leaves? Almost exclusive. Not almost. In this case, exclusively white jurors. It was an all-white jury pool who, by their very nature, was predisposed to a lot of the things that 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 the world and the media says about black men. We're going to get into that in a minute. Yes. So that jury pool said, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. We don't know. Yeah. That's how that happened. Yeah. Which is essentially the same thing as saying not guilty. Exactly. How the hell you don't know? Yeah. What's confusing? Yeah. What's unclear? And there was nothing that was unclear after you saw the footage. That's the thing. And I think that that's why it got, it garnered the reaction that it did from everybody. Yeah. It was it was utterly ridiculous. It was it was ridiculous. Yeah. It broke America's heart. It broke, it broke black America's heart. And, and here's the thing, Dustin. And I've been spending some real time looking back at the quote footage. Um, I've been watching some of these documentaries. Mm-hmm. Some of mm-hmm. them do a great job of showing you. L.A. was on fire. Mm -hmm. It was like Watts riots Mm -hmm. all over again. Mm -hmm. L.A. was burning. It was stores. It was buildings. It was lootings. It was all kinds of pandemonium and shit. But I don't think any of this is accidental. So let's look at where the politics Mm -hmm. of the country were at the Mm -hmm. time. So in 92, I remember the war on drugs being a very big thing. Um, You had President George H.W. Bush. Mm -hmm. The first one. Bush one. Mm -hmm. So this is what he said. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Round one. I like to call him the burning Bush. Go ahead, Ebony. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shit now. Okay. So Bush one says this. Good evening. This is the first time since taking the oath of office that I felt an issue was so important, so threatening, that it warranted talking directly with you, the American people. All of us agree that the gravest domestic threat facing our nation today is drugs. Drugs have strained our faith in our system of justice. In short, drugs are sapping our strength as a nation. Turn on the evening news or pick up the morning paper and you'll see what some Americans know just by stepping out their front door. Our most serious problem today is cocaine and in particular crack. Bush said this uh, to the American people back in 89, which sets up, Dustin, a very scared, a very hypervigilant white America that says black folks, black men in general are what? They're all uh, drug dealers. Drug users. Drug users. Yes. They're all they actually are the greatest threat to American democracy and society. I mean, you got the president of the United States saying this. Yeah. Very unapologetically, and I think very intentionally, L- least we forget George H.W. Bush, uh, architect of the great Willie Horton ad. Bush and Dukakis on crime. 
Bush supports the death penalty for first-degree murderers. Dukakis not only opposes the death penalty, he allowed first-degree murderers to have weekend passes from prison. One was Willie Horton, who murdered a boy in a robbery, stabbing him 19 times. Despite a life sentence, Horton received 10 weekend passes from prison. Horton fled, kidnapped a young couple, stabbing the man and repeatedly raping his girlfriend. Weekend prison passes. Dukakis on crime. You know, so we can't forget this shit, Dustin. It all connects. That's what we're talking about on the episode, the connections. Willie Horton, where George H.W. Bush and his team put out an ad that talked about the um, the release of certain mm -hmm. uh, prisoners for mm -hmm. weekend passes. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that the one prisoner that looked up at the camera with piercing, menacing eyes was a black man by the name of Willie Horton. But you create this this narrative that America must be fearful of the black man. That's the narrative. Yeah. And it has the devastating consequence of Rodney King. And then we fast forward to 2020. And George it has the Floyd. same consequence of George Floyd. This shit started long ago. Uh. Long ago. Long ago. So I think that's important. I want to talk a little bit about who was the AG at the time. <laughs> the attorney general known as the top cop. Right? right. Your attorney general is the chief law enforcement officer of the country. It was a guy. This name. Maybe it sounds familiar. William Barr. So, William okay, Barr? so hold up. Isn't that crazy? So hold up. So you mean to tell me that back in 1992, mm -hmm. the AG, the Attorney General of the United States, who was appointed into that role at that time, yep, by was the, the same person mm -hmm. who is now appointed into that seat, into that position by the sitting president today? That's what you're telling me, Ebony. That's exactly During what I'm During the Rodney you. King incident yep. during the, the 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 protests that followed mm -hmm. that tore the city up yep. okay that same ag yeah. is the one who is sitting today during this george floyd situation the exact same one not one like him not his son right <laughs> not his cousin William Barr. William Barr. William Barr was the sitting attorney general of the United States of America in 1992 under George H.W. Bush. Fast forward. He is sitting attorney general under Trump's administration overseeing the climate that led to George Floyd's death. That's what I'm telling you. Wonder why they got him, huh? Ms. Jackson Lee. John Lewis in 1963 said we are tired about being beat by police. We're tired of being put in jail. We want our freedom now. Mr. Attorney General, in your remarks, you indicated that we've made great progress since that time. And so I ask you this question. Does the Trump Justice Department seek to end systemic racism and racism in law enforcement? I just need a yes or no answer. To the extent there is racism in any of our institutions in this country and the police, then obviously this administration is, will fully enforce this. So you agree right? that there may be systemic racism? To the extent, in, in, in where? where? Uh, let me continue my line of questioning. I, I don't agree that there's systemic racism in the police department. Again, Dustin, nobody's seeing the correlation. Mm -hmm. This is literally hidden in plain sight. Like it's right Woo! there. Yeah. So, Dustin, one of the questions I get a lot is why would I come from a very successful career as a practicing attorney yes. where I spent many years practicing um, in criminal defense specifically? Yes. And really making sure in courtrooms, our people were represented to the best of my professional and human capability. God and that's important you, work. No, yeah. it is important work. I'm humbled. I was humbled to do it then. I'm humbled uh, that I was able to do it. Mm -hmm. But that that camera yes. and this microphone, yes. 
This is where the work starts. Yeah. So I left the practice of trial work to become a part of the work we do as broadcasters, Dustin, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because just like our president back then said, just like our president right now knows, mm-hmm. The power of mass media Mm -hmm. to create and sustain narratives about who our people are as black citizens of this country is the is the most fundamental threat to our ability to be free and safe in American society. And I mean that with every fiber in my being. Yeah. Nothing is more important than the way we are portrayed in media. And you were telling me um, before we started rolling a, a, a very my friend painful story yeah. but i believe it one of my friends who is actually dominican of mm-hmm. dominican descent he was telling me that his mother his grandmother rather and great grandmother when they came to the united states from the dominican republic they didn't speak english and so they relied on what they saw on the news mm. to inform them about certain things in america right. and about their experience living here in america and because of the portrayal of black americans and specifically black men on the news at the time mm. His grandmother and his great grandmother developed a, you know, a hatred for yeah. black men and they, they became racist toward black people because of what they were presented, the image that they were presented with on the news. That is how they began to identify what they saw around them. Yeah. And they rolled with that. And that's what informed a, yeah. their understanding of blackness in America and black men. And so when you got your president talking about the war on drugs, you got your president talking about crack houses and crack dens being a threat to your well-being to walk out your house safely as America. Of course, when Rodney King and two of his friends are simply enjoying a night out, they've been having a little bit to drink, like anybody among us, who who among us, right? Drug out, beat within an inch of your life and, and, no justice. Yeah. No justice. So, yeah, when L.A. burned, I wasn't surprised. Um, and I, I really think a lot of people, even within our own community, Dustin, started to, to me, distract from the issue. Mm-hmm. It stopped being about Rodney King being beat within an inch of his life and receiving no justice around it because all those officers were acquitted. And then it started to be this conversation about, well, why are we burning our own communities? Why are we looting? This sound familiar? Sound familiar? Because that's exactly what happened right now in 2020 with yeah. George Floyd. When certain celebrities were going on Instagram Live crying about, you know, the Gucci store being Listen. looted and things like that. Another point of note, if the commander in chief of the United States is speaking, of course, all the news media outlets are listening. And when he says you turn on your TV and pick up your newspaper and you can see these things the executives and the people in positions of power and influence at these media outlets who have those same views as the, as that president did, Mm -hmm. they're listening to that. And so they're going to cater and taper. That's literally producing the executive producer. And and we, who is that like? Oh, hello. Who was sitting down watching that shit back then? And who has replicated that? Uh, uh, far beyond (laughs) just that, that, uh, that was tame compared to what we've seen. What they say, the criminal always comes back to the uh, to the scene, scene of, the of the crime, crime. right? So Baby. that's what we're doing here. Baby. If you know, I guess, listen, if 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 the goal here is to establish a, a racist system to keep things where they would like them to be, they sent the best. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. Supremacist white supremacist like me to condemn? White proud supremacist boys. and right proud, proud boys. boys. Stand back and stand by. I really want to take some time, Dustin, to break down exactly what we're looking at when it comes to 2020. Yes. George Floyd. 
We know that probably sometime later in the year or early next year, this trial will take place. But for some reason, George Floyd in particular, his killing was enough to awaken the consciousness of the American uh, fabric and white Americans in particular. Now, I have a theory. Yes. Lay it on me. And it looks a lot like the theory that I had in 1992 mm-hmm. when America paid special attention to, to Rodney King and his mm-hmm. plea. So when you think about Rodney King, the famous thing that we all remember is him saying, can't, can't we, we all, all just, just get, get along? along? And when he said it, Dustin, he was so broken down. Like, you know what I mean? He was so, it was it was like a desperate plea. It was as if he'd been so beaten, broke down by the system. It was all he could say. So he was as as non-threatening and submissive as a black man could be. Uh-huh. Fast forward to now, when we watch the George Floyd tape. What is George Floyd? And when we see him, he's on the ground. Uh-huh. He's already he had already been in cuffs. He's begging out for his mama in the afterlife. He's as non-threatening and non-violent as a black man can be. And then and only then, it looks as if. Uh, the the world thinks he's worthy of life. Yeah, and 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 I don't want to get too conclusive, Dustin, but it does give me pause. Well, absolutely. Yeah, to to think like, huh? It, are those the requirements mm-hmm. of a black Must man's one be posture? Palatable in order for us to have compassion for them losing their life at the hands of police violence. Do they have? Does a black man have to show up stripped of? All autonomy, power, and agency in order for them to be deemed worthy of life. Man. Because if that's the requirement, Dustin, we've really overreacted in a way that's going to keep leading us to these cases, right? It's interesting that in both the Rodney King case and in the George Floyd case, we see black men broken. And it's only when they've they've almost been broken in by society. And in these two cases, very literally by law enforcement, so aggressively, like just massively overpowering and dominating them and stripping them of every bit of currency that they have as men on this earth. Then do we feel empathy? Well, yes. And it all ties again. These parallels are so uncanny. When I want to give a prescription here, Dustin, and talk about where the culture can be proactive mm-hmm. in ensuring that this the outcome we saw in 92 doesn't have to be the outcome we see in 2020, mm-hmm. doesn't have to be the outcome we see in 2030. Yes. I think it goes back to this narrative creation and dis- dissembling of this narrative. Mm-hmm. I think everybody, black folks, white folks, allies, anybody that thinks this shit is wrong on mm-hmm. any level has to be a proactive curator of a new narrative mm-hmm. of who black men and black people are in this country. Yes, and we do. And I do think some things are different. So who is outraged looks different, as you pointed out. Absolutely correct. I also think just five years ago, saying black lives matter mm-hmm. was a radical statement mm-hmm. that was met with huge opposition. Mm-hmm. Now, even like poll tested, saying black lives matter more people than not agree with that now. Mm-hmm. That's a big difference, Dustin. Now, I don't think that absolves us of all worry by any stretch, but I do think it's indicative of the fact that the narrative can be changed. It's progress. It's progress. Yeah. And, it, and if that can be changed, right, if Black Lives Matter goes from this horrific, radical uh, position to a very common sense 
and reasonable which position. Which has always been. Which is, it's, that's, that's my point though, baby, <laughs> is the narrative isn't different. It's the acceptance mm-hmm. of the narrative. Black Lives Matter means the same thing today as it always did. Yeah. What is different is the way it is being perceived. Mm-hmm. Listen, y'all, thank you so much for listening uh, to Holding Court. Please, y'all, follow us, subscribe, tell your friends, help us continue to get the word out about this podcast. Check out the episode notes, Holding Court. Listen, it comes to you from Uppity Productions in association with Dossie Media. It's presented by the Black Effect Network from iHeartRadio. Our sound engineers and editors for this episode were Fela Davis and Dennis Orenbeckoff. Join us again next Wednesday when we hold court. Now, in the meantime, spread knowledge and love Wear your mask. Wear a mask. Not the Rona. That's right. (laughs) 